Here, Acts 13, 32 to 52, read in Tagalog. At nandito kami ngayon para dalhin ang magandang balita sa inyo. Nangako noon ang Diyos sa mga ancestors natin. At ngayon, tinupad na niya sa atin na mga anak nila ang pangakong yun. Tinupad niya yun nung buhayin ang ulit si Jesus. Ganon din nakasulat sa pangawalang awit. Ikaw ang anak ko. Sa araw na ito, naging tatay mo ako. Binuhay muli ni Diyos si Jesus at hindi niya hinayang mabulok ang katawan nito sa libingan. Ganito ang sinabi ng Diyos. Ibibigay ko sa iyo ang banal at masasahang blessings na pinangako ko kay David. Verse 35. Nabi rin niya sa isa pang awit. Hindi mo hahayaang mabulok sa labingan ang tapat mong lingkod. Nung buhay pa si David, sinunod niya ang kalooban ng Diyos. Tapos namatay siya at nilibing kasama ng mga ancestors niya. At nabulok ang katawan niya sa libingan. Pero hindi ito nangyari kay Jesus. Binuhay siya ulit ng Diyos. Verse 38. Mga kapatid, dapat niyong malaman na dahil sa taong ito, kaya na-preach sa inyo ang mensahe tungkol sa pagpapatawad ng mga kasalanan. At dahil sa kanya, pinalaya na sa lahat ang kasalanan, ang lahat ng naniniwala. Hindi kayo kayang palayain dito ng law ni Moses. Kaya mag-ingat kayo para hindi mangyari sa inyo ang sinasabing ito ng mga prophets. Verse 41. Makinig kayo, kayong mga nanalait sa Diyos. Masindak kayo at mamatay. Dahil gagawin ko ngayon sa panahon nyo ang isang bagay na hindi nyo mapapaniwalaan. Kahit na may magpapaliwanag pa nito sa inyo. Verse 42. Habang palabas si Paul at Barnabas sa synagogue, nakiusap ang mga tao na bumalik sila sa susunod na Sabbath para magsalita pa tungkol sa mga bahay, bagay na sinabi nila. Pagkaalis ng mga tao sa meeting, Sinundan sina Paul at Barnabas ng maraming Jews at ng maraming Gentiles na na-convert sa Judaism. Kinausap sila ng mga apostles at in-encourage silang mamuhay lagi ayon sa sobrang kabaitan ng Diyos. Verse 44. Nung sumunod na Sabbath, dumating halos lahat na nasa bayan para pakinggan ang salita ng Panginoon. Pagkakita ng mga Jews na napakaraming tao, sobrang nainggit sila. Kinontra nila ang mga sinabi ni Paul at inonsulto sila. Pero mas naging matapang si Paul at Bar- Barnabas sa pagsasalita at sinabing, Mahalagang sa inyo muna sabihin ang salita ng Diyos. Pero 
Since kayo na mismo ang nagre-reject nito at kinoconsider nyo ang mga sarili nyo na hindi dapat makakatanggap ng buhay na walang hanggan, iiwan na namin kayo at pupunta na kami sa mga Gentiles. Dahil ito ang inutos ng Panginoon sa amin. Ginawa ko kayong, kayong liwanag para sa mga Gentiles, para maligtas ang buong mundo. Verse 48 Nang marinig ito ng mga Gentiles, natuwa sila at pinupuri ang mensahe ng Panginoon. Yung mga pinili para magkaroon ng buhay na walang hanggan, naniwala sila. Kumalat sa buong region ang salita ng Panginoon. Verse 50 Pero inipluensyahan ng mga Jews ang mga lalaking leader at ang mga religious na babae na ninirespekto sa limpunan para pahirapan sina Paul at Barnabas. At pinalayas pa nila ang dalawa sa lugar nila. Pinagpag sa, na pinag Pinagpag ng mga apostles ang alikabok sa mga paa nila bilang protesta. Tapos pumunta na sila sa Iconium. Punong-puno ng saya at ng Espiritu Santo ang mga disciples sa Antioch. Ito ang salita ng Panginoon. Salamat sa Diyos. Familia, good afternoon. Oh, hi, Patrick. I see you taking a picture there. Uh, before we get started, I am going to do one thing, and I and Pastor Inez, Ade Inez, that I could do it. You know, this is proper to do it in church, right? Um, if you know me already, you know I'm going to find a way to do a selfie somewhere in this because I am a digital scrapbooker. And oh, thanks, thanks, Guia. Guia and Ate are. Um, honorifics or terms of endearment that you give to people in Filipino culture who are older than you. So Ate is older sister and Kuya is older brother and that is what they have received. So, but um, this really feels like family time. Not only are you smelling Filipino food during the whole service, you know, so just marinate. That's what it smells like to come into our family's home. And and that's what we are here, coming home. I feel like I'm coming home in a new way. Um, and with that, I'm gonna do something. Just me, just me. <laughs> okay, all right, bright lights. Oh, it's so bright. Okay, okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm so sorry, people on the side. Oh, I'm not gonna get to you. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do this side first. Okay, ready? Okay. Okay, ready? Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Salamat. 
Oh my gosh. Well, you've already heard our adventure to get here today. You know, um, my hermana Nayeli, uh, she rode with me on the way here after the AAA driver came and I was like, Nayeli, I gotta cry. Like, I'm feeling it right here, you know? And she's like, just cry, it's okay. And then, and, she, and she's like, I'll hold your hand and we can cry. Um, growing up as an ate, um, older sister, and like the older sister of all of the kids in our family. Um, I was just used to kind of keeping things in control, keeping things together, not wanting to add to anyone else's strife. And I realized that was a lot of me suppressing what I was actually experiencing and feeling and needing. And so to have a healthy cry right before I came and preached for the first time, maybe it was God's way of continuing to invite me to disrupt all the things that have um, um, that have been part of my past and part of the ways that I've been um, suppressed in some ways, right? And so I want to give some context today before we jump straight into the passage. One, because when Pastor Bobby and Pastor Inez e emailed me about a month or so ago, to preach for the first time, I sat with that email longer than I was expecting because I wasn't ready to be asked to, be pre to preach. I didn't realize that even though I had um, made an active decision to leave church of 20 years because I was wrestling with some of our teachings, even though I wholeheartedly believed and supported women preachers and teachers and ministers, I didn't believe that for myself. And I sat with the email and I had to acknowledge what inside of me I was saying, no, like you're not allowed to. That's not what you can do. You are not al allowed to be in this space. And I didn't realize that how deeply rooted some of those teachings were still in me. And, um, and I sat there, and my, my initial response was like, uh, no, I'm busy. I really was busy. Actually, that I really was busy. I was preparing for some things, and I was, you know, dealing with high school students as a dorm parent, and I graciously, and they graciously received, and they're like, you know, right now is not a good time, kind of thing. And I was like, whoo, got that, going to keep on going, you know. And then two weeks ago, got another email. They were like, you know, we're just, we're feeling the spirits leading, and we're wondering if you want to preach. Anywhere, actually, in Acts. You know, no place. Just wherever the Lord, wherever the Spirit is leading you. And I was like, wow, I can't get away from this. And, um, and I realized it was that moment where I was wrestling with, um, if I say no this time, it will actually be an act of disobedience. And a place of fear that I need to step into. Um, and I really was like, I don't know what sermon's here yet. Uh, last week on the drive home, Caleb was like, so Mel, what are you going to preach on next week? And I was like, I don't know yet, bro. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. He's like, um, what passage in Acts? And I was like, I don't know. I, I really didn't know. I didn't know all the details. But I did feel inside me a sermon. A sermon that was being written long before I was even called in that moment to preach today. 
And so me standing before you, even with the thwarting of my car breaking down in the middle of the freeway, um, is a reminder for me in this moment that this is a two and a half year journey. It's a culmination of a lot of disruptive things in my life, holy disruptions. I'm learning, deconstructing, relearning, reconstructing, and all in community. And so for me to be able to give this word with my family in the back, my Uncle Edwin, my Uncle Tony, who they don't get to do this for people outside of our family. So this felt very like, whew, the Lord knew. Um, for my cousins to be here, my cousin Al has actually come to church, I don't know, like two or three times in his life, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, in, 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 like non-Catholic church. I'm not calling you out. Sorry. No. <laughs> it was more like he has only, he has come to like non-Catholic church with me at all the significant markers in my life. He came to, he's the only one in my family who was at my baptism in 2008, and now he's here to see me preach for the first time. And thank you. And, and as I've been reflecting on that in the back, it was such a word of God's kindness to me that God knew, they knew what I needed to step into this space. And God is so hospitable. God is so hospitable. And this whole week has been co-creating this sermon with Paula and Pastor, Pastor Fabi and Pastor Inez and the worship team and my family. And it was disrupting everything that I knew about how you create a sermon. And I went to Bible college. I grew up in traditional Catholic church. I had an image and a vision of how this is done and how this whole week came out. Me standing here was not that, but that's what's in this passage today. Many holy disruptions, including freeway, you know, but, you know, but God, right? Uh, but God. And so that's some context of me coming into this space and the um, invitation from both our pastors is always be you, bring you, you know, you're not Wayne Grudem. <laughs> not like anything with that, but that's the image I have of who's allowed to be here. Right? I kept telling Pastora, like, I don't have the credentials. I don't, I don't have the power in the sense of positionality. Like, I'm not meant to be here. And she said, no. And we were talking, like, two days ago on Zoom. I was like, oh, Pastora, I need to see your face. And she's like, the cross is your credential. Amen. And it's like, the cross is the credential. The Holy Spirit is my guide. Oh, let's just disrupt all the ways that was filled how we could do this. And... That's it. We're here. <laughs> and so I just want to give you context. I step in here. It does feel like I'm coming home right now. So with that, I'm just going to open this time of prayer for me and for us before I jump into the word. Hmm. Creator God, Ruah, Holy Spirit, breath. Words that I have been learning beginning to just feel so natural in my spirit, my being, my mouth, that weren't natural before. I thank you that you are relentless in your pursuit of us, of me, my brothers and sisters in the 
this room, you are relentless. And even when systems and people thwart um, the good news, you will find a way. And you have shown me that today. And so, Lord, Abba Father, Abba God, my mother, I just pray um, that I would be leaning into you, that we would be open, word, our hearts would be glad, and that you would delight in the conversation we have in this room. With my niece in the back playing, um, and your daughter here, learning for the first time what it means to trust and lean in the movement of the Spirit. What an appropriate time to do that in this passage. So Lord, delight with us. Thank you. Let the food continue to marinate in the back. Thanks for hosting this table and allowing me to co-host with you. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hi. So um, earlier this week, I was like, man, I should have like a three-step pro- program, not program, like outline, you know, but I didn't want to script anything. That's how I usually do things. Um, that's how I've been taught. Like, be prepared. Don't mess up. Don't be caught off guard. Like, make sure you write it out. But the spirit, she's like, no, that's not how we're going to roll, you know? I'm teaching you how to trust and to lean in and to listen and to be in the word. And, yeah, I let that go. And I was like, where are you going? Where are you going, sis? Um, Holy Spirit. And she is so kind and patient with me as I was wrestling And so some context of the passage now, we're in Acts 13, um, and right before this passage, um, right before we jump into verse 32, we know that there has been persecution happening to Jesus' followers um, in Jerusalem. You know, Pentecost has happened. The Holy Spirit has come upon the new wave of believers, and it was disrupting a lot of things. Um, It was disrupting systems, ways of thinking, Um, and and in some ways the persecution is also what led for for Paul and Barnabas to start coming out, started going to Pampas right before this, and now to Antioch, Um, and in some ways there's a lot that's happening right before this passage and right into this, but the two things that I was kind of sitting with as I was reading um, these verses and one of the things I was wrestling with, it was really long. I was like, I should probably get like maybe 10 verses because that's what we're used to. But like it was like 20 verses. There were like 20 verses that I was wrestling with. And every time there was a moment in preparing for this sermon that was like, should we do this? Oh, we shouldn't do this because that might not fit. It was like, that's what we probably should do. And so we're in this verse. And so the good news is spreading. And... Uh, in the practice of the first disciples, it always went to Israel first. They always went to the, the synagogue, they went to the tribe of Israel, and they shared the good news. And one of the things that I was sitting with is the, the response, you know, who, who heard and what they did after they heard the good news. So right in verse 32, you know, Paul is just kind of giving kind of a a reference, a remembering of the work of Jesus on the cross and what is happening now and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the breaking down of kind of our previous ways of thinking for the the, um, Jewish community. 
right? The notion of the temple and the idea of who the Messiah was, right? It was the Messiah is the conquering king and Jesus came as a humble servant. Or the wanting of the new Jerusalem, kind of the second temple building. And actually, we're temples. We're the temples now. And that the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so we're able to move and go and give the good word. We're not bound to buildings anymore. We are. We are the temple. And so this message is radical because it's disrupting a lot of things that we're being taught and told. And last week, Pastor Jennifer talked about the ways in which, um, you know, this good news is both powerful, it's both disruptive in the systems and institutions that we're at. But God still makes a way. And that's what's happening here. And so um, Paul and Barnabas, right before verse 32, um, they are, where were they beforehand? Not Antioch. They were, let me see. They were also reading the scriptures in a new translation. That's a lot of things that was challenging me to um, this week in studying. Because I was like, I don't know that posture at forming water with campus. You know, and I had to like find that. And so it keeps you humble. It keeps you open to um, kind of think about what you knew and where the Spirit's leading and what's being told to you in the story and the page. So Barnabas and Paul are now kind of being set out on their missionary journeys that um, we might have heard about. It's kind of the start of the movement of the good news of, of Jesus outside of Jerusalem and starting to move into the Gentile world, into Samaria and Judea, and now into the ends of the world. This is kind of like verse 13 is that shift, right? The, the verse that's about to um, tell us that the word is going out to the multi-ethnic nations around because of the hearers of the word within the um, a house of God within Israel were not receptive to it. And so we're here, Paul and Barnabas um, were at Pamphos, and while they were there, they were met with a false prophet, um, Bar-Jesus. Um, and as a means of preventing the good news to spread to the communities there, right? And so every single time as I'm reading this scripture passage in these 20 verses, what the thing that kept coming coming to me was there's two ways that people are responding, or um, not like only two ways, but there's kind of two themes in which people respond when the good news of Jesus is being shared. And it's either a response of both disbelief, maybe even disdain here in this passage. It says that the tribal leaders became jealous. I was like, how do you become jealous to this beautiful message of radical, inclusive love. And I was like, but they became jealous and they spoke lies about Saul, I mean, Saul, Paul and, um, and Barnabas to go against everything that they're sharing. And I was like, why? And then I was like, that kind of happens today, you know? When you're given a good word and you know it is in you and it's true and the people within the, your body, within maybe your own church, was like, no. Just trying to discredit you, being jealous, because people are coming to know Jesus. It's like, okay, where, that, where is that response coming from? And, and as I sat with them, like, how could they think that? Why aren't they open to this good news? 
And the Holy Spirit this week, she was very kind in allowing me to build some empathy with the characters in the scripture passage. Not to be quick to maybe judge, but to maybe step into some of the context of what's happening here. Um, to the Jewish believers. You know, they have come to know and understand what was going to be happening for centuries a certain way. You know, the Messiah was going to come this way. Religious law was going to do this way. It became their sense of order and knowing and control. And she had me really think about, well, maybe where in your life has that been you? You know, when you're being brought a new word, or maybe a new perspective, maybe a new way of thinking, and it's going up against everything that you had come to know to be true. There's a lot of topics in my life that my 20-year-old self used to think one way, what, you know, um, that now I'm like, I don't think that way. And not that it was wrong when I thought it back then, but my understanding of scripture, the models that I was given, that was my framework. And from that, I came to believe certain things. But as God was bringing me new perspectives, new words, even through a different language, a new translation, I had to wrestle with, do I hold on to what I thought was true and then admit that maybe I was wrong? Admit that I didn't see it completely? Or, and in some ways, the only way you can kind of still feel semi-good about yourself about that is you have to create a different narrative about the messenger of the word, right? You have to create another narrative that says, you know what, January, she's actually, she's not speaking from truth. You know, she's rereading that there, that the, the expression of jealousy. You have to create a narrative in order for you to stay within your framework, your old framework. And I think that's what my brothers and sisters back in this context might be experiencing, right? Like, what is this message that is breaking down barriers, right? The gospel message is boundary breaking. It is not bound, but boundless. It's inclusive. It messes up kind of our frameworks in the best possible way if you see it through that lens. And if you don't have a heart, and in some ways they were saying um, in verse 30, um, 8, 39, they had bad hearts or their hearts were hardened. And if you, your heart is not receptive, in some ways I don't think our flesh is ready to receive that kind of word because it doesn't require transformation. It requires surrendering. And in some ways um, it's hard to do that. And that was happening to me. I had to look back these last two and a half years of all of the old frameworks, theological understandings that were true and I wholeheartedly believed them at that time that were starting to rub with the brothers and sisters that I was becoming to, to know through new, again, readings of scripture, new interpretations, new commentaries. And I was called to wrestle. Does, does God have the ability to create something grand, bigger than my imagination? Yes. Yeah, they do. And Pastor Jennifer said, in some ways, evil's predictable, yeah. right? It's, it stays within its, in length, it has to. 
but love has to be innovative. The message has to grow bigger than our understanding. And that was happening here. And so that first response, you might be there. You might be like, I don't know. You know, like this is disrupting everything that I had grown to know to be true. My understanding of how a church is run, the liturgy, how that passage is supposed to be read. And if I begin to admit that maybe I don't have a complete image, I don't know what to do with that. It's disruptive. And in some ways, you can see it as a holy disruption. Like today, even, even the situation on the freeway. I mean, that was disruptive in a lot of different ways. And at first, I was like, this is, okay, maybe like, I'm not supposed to be there. That's, that's not what's happening. Um, and I think over the course of a couple hours with my community next to me, praying through that, breathing, and reminding myself that the Holy Spirit is with me, it became a holy disruption. Because it allowed me to get out of my head and in of the house of God. Of the house of God. And in that moment, their hearts changed. Um, and they didn't see that this message was for all. This message was for all. That this message is now for Jew and Gentile. That this message is now for Jew and Gentile. They were so kind of in some ways blind to the fact that the, G, the message of Jesus was now spreading outside of the nation of Israel. But it, and um, the commentary that uh, Pastor Inez and Pastor Bobby gave me, William Jennings, he said it was a moment in which God was not turning away from the Jews that God was turning towards the Gentiles. That framing is so important. It's not that it was less, or that Jesus was now moving away from the Jews, but it was opening up. It was expanding. And that's why our brothers and sisters in this passage, the Gentile communities hearing this, and they're in Antioch. And Antioch is like a cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan um, place. So it has people from all nations coming into this area and they're hearing this news the first time and at least in this part you don't see them kind of being like but instead their response is here they automatically when they hear the news they um their hearts were made glad and that they honored the creator's message and what else was their fruit? They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit upon them. And I sat there of like, okay, these two responses I've seen in my life, in myself, in my community, as I moved from churches, when the good word is preached, there's two responses. Expansive. But I'm seeing is the response from the person a heart of gladness. Not that you can't have doubt, not that you can't wrestle, but it's open, it's expansive. Or is it, nope, that's not, no, it doesn't fit. You have to go back. You need to stay within the framework that you were given. And part of my journey here to the church we hope for was making, was beginning to see that own kind of response in my own life. And my, and my church community, whom I love. And it was a church community that raised me, that brought me to faith. But there was a point in my time there where new 
aspects of scripture were coming up. My brothers and sisters around me, my neighbors were crying out. And our church was not responding in a way that I think here in this passage is submissive to the inclusion of all and to the pain and suffering of others, to the full message of Jesus. And I had to keep asking questions. And most of the time it was, it's just not how it's done, or it would be turned so political or cultural, versus maybe just submitting ourselves to the truth of God's love for, for his creation, for their creation, and for the sharing of the good news. And here in this passage, you know, Paul and Barnabas recognize that the uh, Jewish believers, you know, didn't believe or they, you know, questioned. And what did they do? They dust their moccasins at the door and went a different way. And that gives us permission to be discerning, you know. Um, to, to walk away maybe is actually probably the faithful thing to do at that time. Um, but to have a heart that is still empathizing with that community. Because at the end of the day, God is pursuing all of us, both the church community that I left and the church now. And that's the part that I'm still holding to, is um, holding that softness for the community um, and, and to, to be open to where God leads me, even if it means going back when the time comes. And so that's my question for us, is in some ways, what's our response to the good news of Jesus? What's our response when we experience holy disruptions in our lives? Maybe when you're reading a new passage and someone in, an, in, in your community or someone you don't know says, I disagree with you, or I don't read it in that lens because you know what? In my community, that means something completely different, you know, or, um, yeah, or, or even the, the systems that you used to um, follow are not beginning to um, align with the good news of Jesus, and you have to begin to submit and change. And I think that's the question that I've been wrestling with, is the invitation for us to think about our response to holy disruptions. Um, and in what way are we responding from a place of openness and gladness and joy and the fruits of the Spirit? And in what ways are, is our response restrictive, um, controlling, um, suppressing? Um, and using that as some litmus tests of maybe where the Lord is wanting to challenge us in our own thinking, in our communities, and in our church today. And so I... You know, to be here at the church we hope for has been a journey of unlearning, um, a journey of, you know, we hear the word a lot of deconstructing, but it's been a place where I have been invited to come and humbly relook at passages and to think about our understanding of God, the way we speak about God, um, and, and let it not be so confined to tradition, or even cultural practices. I never thought I could name God outside of the pronoun of he, you know, and, and feel the freedom to call the Holy Spirit she or they, and not in a sense of like 
political correctness, but because I actually didn't see God outside of that. But as I'm looking at scripture and I've been in community where it's like, actually my understanding of God is just not only expanding, but it's still mysterious. And I don't always actually know, but I feel the permission to step out of knowing and to be free to say, ah, they have led me, she's led me. And, And it's not actually, it may not be wrong, it may not be right, but it's faithful or submissive to what's here in scripture as well. And so that's what I'm asking us um, today is maybe in your current journey, your faith journey, where are the um, parts of your own understanding of God, of Christ, of the body of Christ, the church of Christ being um, disruptive, you know? Where, Where are areas that you are unlearning Um, And the reality is in the journey of learning, it's always done in community. Like God themselves is in community. And so wherever you are in that journey, I pray that we do that together. And again, the co-creation of this sermon was in community. And so with that, I wanted to leave you with an object um, example or something to remember with that, and that's Bobby. I actually just put it on the table so they can just come and grab it for um, when we go to eat for communion. But a um, hundred weeks ago, because um, I saw this on um, Instagram, it tells you how long, and I was going through my um, my church we hold for like highlight reel, and it said 99 weeks ago, um, I met many of you for the first time in person. Because um, that was when we did, um, we were at Marday Retreat Center, and we met. And I remember we were pulling up, and Caleb said, is this what heaven feels like? Because we were meeting all these people that we didn't know. Like, I had, I'd never met Pastor Bobby, never met Pastor Inez or others, but we, it felt like I was coming home. Like, it felt like we were coming home. Like, it just felt right. And at that time, we also got these wooden crosses. You know, like the little wooden process to remind us of um, our body, to remind us of the, the work of Christ on the cross. And I want to give you a second thing to take away. For any of you who know me, I have a lot of things that I like and collect. Um, <laughs> benches are one of them, but I don't collect that. Um, and the other thing I love are heart-shaped rocks. Like heart-shaped rocks that you find just like randomly. And in my life, I've always found them at significant milestones or places or journeys. And it's I always see it as a sign of God saying like, I'm with you in that journey and I'm giving you that. And I have a lot out to extend to like I was moving one time and one of my friends were like, hey Mel, like what is this, a box of rocks? I was like, actually it is. Yeah, it's a box <laughs> of lots of rocks. Um, and because when I see a heart-shaped rock, I'm reminded that that rock, the way I found it now is not how it started. It didn't look like that. Um, it maybe was attached to something bigger or was smaller. Um, but over the course of its life, at its being, you know, um, uh, running, well, running, <laughs> like brushing up with things or other individuals, it starts to get shaped. And my prayer for us is that as we do that, as we go about in our lives, um, that we begin to continue to be shaped into flesh, flesh hearts, not, not like stones of hearts, even though that's what you're going to get, you're going to get a stone heart, but think of the analogy as like a, um, 
heart of flesh. <laughs> that is open, that it is uh, glad, a heart of gladness, um, and as a reminder um, to, to keep your heart tender to what God is doing around you, in you, and the people around you. And so there are little heart-shaped stones um, at the back before we step into the Filipino feast communion table. Um, so feel free to grab that and have it right next to your wooden cross as a reminder. And so, yeah, take that, go and love this world um, with the love that, that Jesus gave you. And so thank you, and with that, Amen. Amen. I literally was like, I did not keep time. Filipinos, I'm a verbal processor. But amen.